Welcome to the podcast from Eden Worship Center. Because we believe that it is God's Word that does God's work in God's people, we want you to hear the gospel preached in the gathering of believers. We want you to read it for yourself and to join us as we think together and talk together about the sermon from this past week and what's going on in our world. You can join the conversation by sending in your comments and questions to EdenWC at Hotmail.com. May God cause His Word to come alive in your heart today. All right, well, welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to our midweek podcast. We didn't get to do it last week, so we're catching up. We're combining a couple Sundays. So, uh, Pastor Somebody Matt here. skipped the country. Somebody left Indiana while everybody else was getting snowed in, and then I was sitting in Arizona. And we, it, was, it was rough there, too, though. Like... Yeah. Uh, 80 degrees and and the sun and here we were suffering for Jesus yeah. in the snow that's what we were doing. being faithful it was rough hey mm. good morning every afternoon or whatever time of day it is that you're watching what a blessing to be together what a joy to be able to just look into God's word and uh, flesh out in a little greater detail some of the things that we've shared in sermon illustration in the last couple of weeks so yeah. this is going to be good and it's a it's a thing that i think of a lot matt that iron sharpens iron because when we're preaching and teaching we have a sense from the holy spirit of where we're going and what we're saying and um, if you're like me my brain normally runs about two paragraphs ahead of my mouth and my brain tends to think in compound complex sentences so that's because you're really smart that's what it is that's what you're telling us this is a long build-up to say i'm really smart is that what's happening it's all right it's all right no. if you do just be honest. It means I'm challenged. So, <laughs> but uh, wow. well, yeah. So Dad preached uh, two weeks ago, and then I was on this Sunday. Uh, so we thought, let's and because I was out of town, let's just combine mm -hmm. uh, both of those midweek podcasts into one. Especially since some of the passage overlapped with each other, and just really talk did. about it here. So. so Okay, we're going to start by... Uh, well, gonna... first, Avery Nickham is sitting in, in the corner observing us. He's, he's like our chaperone for today. So yes. uh, if either one of us get out of control, Avery, you're going to hear him in the background going, stop it, or something. I don't know what you're saying. Or if we saying. say something wrong, heresy, you yeah. can't say yeah, that. If you hear heretic yelled out from the background, that was that Or was if you Avery. start to see smoke and flames, you know we've crossed the line, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, God has sent the judgment fire. All right, yeah, let's read <laughs> the passages from the past two weeks. And uh, because that... Do you want us to stand? Because normally we, <laughs> we stand in reverence. You can, the but you'll stand God. out of the... For those who are watching this, you'll stand out of the camera. It's just like your belly button in the middle, which I that's better, a good look. I better sit down. That's a good look. Stay seated. I, this isn't one of those things like on the Zoom meetings where like the person's in the business suit and he stands up and he doesn't have pants on. Like, let's just be clear. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Read the scripture, would you? Here, Avery's like, "What are you guys doing to this podcast?" This and is see, awful. what's funny is he didn't want to sit across from us because yeah. he was afraid it would stress us out. And yeah. you can tell we're well, we're... he's too pretty. Like if we have to look at him, we'd be distracted the whole time. Ooh. All right, so we're gonna read Genesis one, uh, twenty-six through the end of the chapter. All right? Do you want to read it? <laughs> Sure. Can. Then God said, 
Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, the, over the birds of the sky, and over the, every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the surface of all of the earth, and every tree which has fruit-yielding seed, it shall be your food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and over everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that what he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. That's a, actually a kind of a cool tradition that the church has done uh, it is. for centuries, <clears throat> where they would read scripture and punctuate it at the end with, this is the word of the Lord. And I really like that. Having come from a, a tradition and background where we were so afraid of being ecclesiastical. Is that a word? Yeah. Ecclesiastical? The, the whole I idea of liturgy. Liturgy. We wanted yeah. to avoid liturgy at all costs. And we missed something beautiful. Yeah. Now, I think the other side of that is that people get so caught up in the liturgy that they miss the beauty because it is so ordinary and routine. Yeah. So... We are just flawed people in a broken world that really need Jesus. Yeah, from either direction, we have yeah. to fight towards faithfulness and truth in relationship exactly. with God. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, this passage, especially beginning with verse 26, where God says, let us make man in our image, is one of the early glimpses. We, we see it right at the beginning of Genesis 1, this glimpse of a triune God, mm -hmm. a, a God who is uh, three in one, where in the beginning God creates the heavens of the earth and the spirit of God, the second person, uh, is hovering over the waters and uh, God said, that's the word of God, that's the mm -hmm. third person that we're introduced to. Uh, and here again, uh, when God talks about making man, he speaks of himself in the plural. Let us make man in our image. In and our see, actually, in, in my Bible, it's circled us and our that makes it really special yeah so it's kind of because you're super spiritual well it kind of reminds me of the definition of of happiness that's finding the scripture first that the that the pastor or the sunday yep. school teacher yep. uh, gives out and then having it underlined is, when you get there is is pure joy that's true joy yeah that makes yes. a lot of sense but you know coming back to this and i and i realized you and i talked about this that as i was preaching I didn't want to get bogged down into the debate and the discussion over the the triune God. Who's God speaking to here? So, you yeah, know, what's that, the exact interpretation of this? Well, the exact but, interpretation right. of some is that it speaks of polytheism, which is multiple gods, which we certainly don't believe. Right, which we know right off the bat is, is heresy, wrong. and we're going to throw that one out. Yes. Good. Uh, the second is that God was speaking out loud to the angelic hosts of heaven. 
But clearly, we would, from our perspective, would say that... Who, by the way, get a shout-out in, is it Genesis 5 that we read this week, where uh, it's sort of God reflecting upon this creation, and all of the angelic hosts sing in excitement yeah. and joy. So they're, they're clearly, uh, they're for the ride, like witnessing mm-hmm. this. Well, they're they're active observers, yeah. Uh, if not participants, as from a observation perspective. And then the third one, which I think is the best interpretation. Yes, would it would be the Trinity: God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Because we see, beginning in the early part of chapter one, that the Spirit of the Lord is hovering over the face of the earth. We also know from Gospel of John: in the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. So he was there he was active in uh, creation and what's going on here in in Genesis 1 so from our perspective um, the best explanation here is the triune God yeah now as you and I talked about if polytheism comes up of many gods we need to we need to say whoa wait that is not wrong we throw not right we're throwing yeah. that out right away but uh, yeah I realized as you and I talked, that as I was preaching the other Sunday, uh, there was so much that I wanted to say, and I didn't want to get bogged down in that. So my right, I forget exactly what I said. That's the great thing about video, <laughs> or the scary thing. The scary thing about it, there's a record of I everything know. that we say. Like, oh no. So, well, and the difficulty is in sharing God's word because. Because God, so one of the doctrines of God is he's incomprehensible. We cannot fully know and comprehend him. So we, we know what he has revealed to us, and even that which he has revealed is beyond us. So scripture is going to say uh, that his ways are higher than ours. As mm-hmm. high as the heavens are, are above, above the, the earth, earth, like we can't touch that. Well, and, and part of what goes with that is if we could understand everything there is about God, God would be too small and we wouldn't need him. Yeah, he'd be a man like us. Yeah, and that would be awful. Which makes it difficult when you're trying to share that truth on a Sunday morning in a really limited window of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to be careful to make the main thing the main thing and not get hooked on every rabbit trail of and I know because there's so many wonderful up. rabbit trails yeah. to go down. It's it's just exciting. <laughs> and there's some that are super important, like the uh, we'll beat the drum of uh, this is one true God, not polytheism, all day long. Yes. But getting into other minute arguments, those might be good for a moment. But if that's not the main thing of the passage that we're looking at, which here clearly last week and this week, looking at this idea that God made man in his image. Well, and, and really, in terms of what we're focusing on, this is God in his majesty, in his glory, stamping his triune image on the crowning achievement of his creation, as yeah. it were. Yeah. Uh, because, wow, you know, to be made in the image and the likeness of God, uh, I was interested that most scholars use those words synonymously, uh, interchangeably. But here we are, stamped with his image, which is a powerful image. Yeah. Yeah, um, one of the things that I kind of marveled about as I was putting the sermon together for this week was how we have this prohibition of making anything in an image or likeness of God uh, as a means of worship, as a means of identifying who he is, Mm -hmm. uh, understanding who he is, uh, that we might 
worship him through it. Whether now, I think most people in our churches, if we showed up with like a golden calf on a Sunday and said, behold, your God, uh, we would, we would have a rebellion and rightly so. Unless that calf could be uh, prepared and roasted, barbecued. And barbecued. Roasted, yeah. Oh. Then. But hopefully then we wouldn't say, behold your God, <laughs> then, then eat it. But I mean, isn't it amazing that God forbids that, and yet he has put his image on humanity, knowing, and that this was the part that blew my mind, knowing that Adam was going to fall. All right, so you have the image of God on a perfect human, I get it, mm-hmm. but knowing, God knew exactly what was going to happen, that that image would be marred and somewhat broken i mean not not fully broken off otherwise man loses his dignity and worth but there, there's a a broken version a broken view we we don't see through a clear lens anymore of the image of god and that's what paul says we it. we see through a glass darkly or dimly as you were talking about that the thing that just is is glorious to me that before god ever created the earth he knew exactly everything that was going to happen when it happened and the way it happened. Yeah. And so uh, I remember making references to the fall in Genesis chapter 3 and that Satan deceives Eve. Adam willingly chooses. Yeah. Uh, and the Bible refers to Satan as the prince and the power of the air. And yet in, in all of this... God is clearly in control. Right. The devil may think, and his fallen angels may think they're in control now, but the reality is it's all a part of his eternal plan. Right. And he's at right. work. Which I, I actually thought that was super helpful. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor John was was talking about it and talked about how mm-hmm. uh, this idea of the princes was always those who are together in some realm of authority mm-hmm. as opposed to the king who is the sovereign ruler over all things. So is there, and that this is a good segue into talking a little bit about this idea of God's sovereignty and man's dominion that is going on on the earth. Um, there's a, there's a whole idea out there called dominion theology or kingdom now theology. And uh, so represented by say like Bethel or something. It's mm-hmm. one of the reasons that we strongly discourage people from listening to Bethel, whether it's music or teaching, uh, because their theology is in there and it, and you, you can't divorce the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea is that God, uh, sovereign King of the universe gives that sovereignty to man to have dominion on the earth. Cause he, he tells him have dominion. Yes. And then man, because of his willing sin, hands over dominion, loses it, but he doesn't just lose it for himself. He loses it for God as well and gives it to Satan. So now Mm -hmm. Satan has dominion on the earth. And so you'll, you'll hear people in that camp say things like God can't work on the earth apart from us speak. That's why we have to speak things into existence because God can't do it. God has bound himself under the authority he's given to us. So now Satan is in control. Man is the only savior through his acts of faith and words of faith. And God is just sort of waiting for us to save the day, which is, that's an upside down gospel. As that, opposed that's to God true. is sovereign. Christ is savior. Here we have man as savior and Satan is sovereign. And I, I think anytime we end up there, it is. That's, that's terrifying. dangerous ground. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, let me give a little historic perspective. And uh, anytime you give a personal perspective, it's dangerous. It, I'm sitting here as I'm thinking about what I'm going to say, remembering uh, two Indonesian friends who came. One came here to Northeast Indiana and spent six weeks, six months with us. The other was in Los Angeles. Imagine both of them going back to Indonesia and say, let me tell you what America is like. It's hmm. <laughs> interesting. Uh, so, you know, like Stephanie, who was here with us, it was rural Northeast Indiana for her friend. It was uh, L.A. Right. Um, so given a little historic perspective can be uh, dangerous Avery is leaving us. Did Avery. we offend you already? Are, are you that sensitive? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> hey, bless you, guy. Uh, so from, from my perspective, historically, what happened was many of us grew up in a religious culture that was more fatalistic than faith. And we were really almost paranoid about being presumptuous with doing anything. So... To begin to experience what happened in the early days of the charismatic renewal in the 1970s and then 1980s was suddenly begin to see from scripture that we are not helpless pawns and we're not just tossed about by every whim of whomever. Yeah. And so suddenly you begin to see some things. Unfortunately, People began to take this dominion theology and, and go to crazy extremes. Now, Jesus did say, you will speak to this mountain, it will be removed and cast into the sea if you, don't, if you have faith. So suddenly we began to see that faith was not just a noun, it was a verb. Hmm. And to find the balance in that has become the problem. Um, now, God clearly in Genesis gives Adam dominion. He said, rule, exercise authority. That mm -hmm. was a part of creation. Sure. Uh, and I, I liked something. Let me see what you said. You, this was really good. Na I say a lot of really good stuff. <laughs> Nature left to itself is not God's design. So, you know, God says that, and this is jumping ahead into chapter 2, where he man was to cultivate and to keep. So I thought it was interesting, and we'll get to this uh, in another week or so, that the word in Hebrew, cultivate, means to make work, mm -hmm. make it function. And the other is to guard. Yeah. So, so there is a sense that... And that's before the fall. That's before the fall. That was the thing that struck me as so interesting in that, is man's call to subdue the earth to have dominion, to begin to order that which is mm -hmm. uh, not yet ordered, mm -hmm. and to make it work together, to guard what it is, that all comes before sin has broken it. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing that becomes the key then. Yeah, that we live in a Genesis three world that is where it's not so much that man lost dominion, the dominion became broken and perverted. I think the danger for us as Christians is that we tend to be polarized and run to extremes. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, dominion theology is wrong. We tend to run to the other end of the spectrum and just throw anything out that even sounds like yeah. that. So, and I, let's, let's be really clear about what we're saying there. Uh, 
Dominion theology is wrong because it says that Satan has dominion and God does not. So anything that's going to say God is not sovereign is wrong. Exactly. Uh, now, because it has the word dominion, we get a little bit confused. And this is where I think it's good for us to be super clear about what we're saying. God actually told man he has dominion. Mm -hmm. he, he told him to not only he has dominion, but to take dominion and subdue the earth. And so because we have that same word found at both camps, we, we can tend to be like, eh, you know, a little gun shy about it. But dominion doesn't even have to be anything. I'm trying to think of the right word here. Uh, fancy, spiritual, supernatural. Well, it doesn't mean that I can go fishing and, and be there at the lake and say, all right, fish, I have dominion over you. Come to me. Right. Yeah. So, so look, at, look at Jesus' dominion, which is the unbroken dominion, mm -hmm. uh, as he is in the boat. And he literally, without a word, almost sinks their boats by calling so many fish to get caught when they did their best to catch them all night long. We don't have that. No, that, we don't. That's not within our realm of power. Uh, and I, I think where dominion theology goes wrong because it puts man as savior, it says we don't have that because we're not, we're not believing hard enough. We're not trying hard enough. And if man has enough faith as a verb, mm -hmm. then what we can do is we can reclaim that dominion for God and for ourselves. And the kingdom grows because we are the ones growing it. Yeah. As opposed to Christ is the head of the church. He's never lost dominion on this earth. Uh, it has been subjected to frustration, the scripture mm -hmm. would say, because mm -hmm. of man's sin. And yet the, the entire point of the book of Revelation that we spent so much time on is Christ is king. And he's going to full, he's allowing this to grow that we get the parable of the, the weeds and, and, the, and the wheat where yep. God is letting what is good grow and what is evil grow so that there might be a day of reckoning, a day of harvest. Yeah. And that's part of his sovereign plan. Not, not that he's lost control in the middle. So every time we take dominion, we are reflecting rightly the image of God. We are honoring God, but we're not reclaiming anything for God. No. And the, he hasn't lost it. The problem with our exercise of dominion comes back that we live in a Genesis 3 world, and even in spite of our yeah. best intentions, uh, so often we get it wrong. Yeah, we either, we either do it wrong, think about it wrong, uh, or even when we do it right, there's some intention of our heart that gets it wrong. Yeah, exactly. Sad reality. Well, it's a sad reality, and God <laughs> loves us anyway. Uh, you know, but it's, it's a powerful thing. To, to realize that God has given this to man and that we I are... I would never do that. I wouldn't either. I'm not trustworthy. <laughs> you know, it, it's like having some, some incredible thing. I mean, think about the beauty and intricacy of God's creation and then handing it over to a toddler. Well, yeah. And, you know, as we read through this this morning, I was just reminded again, and in fact, your mom and I talked about this, um, before the brokenness of Genesis 3, all the living things, all of the animals, the grass was for them. Yeah. There were no such thing as carnivores. Right. Dinosaurs did not run around eating yeah. other uh, 
either people or anything like that. Right. What, what an amazing thing. At least not at the beginning. No, and there was no fear because God brings the animals to Adam and he names them. Yeah, and, and it's it, not till after the flood that God says, I'm putting the fear of you on everything that has breath in it. And isn't it interesting that in the process of God bringing the animal kingdom to Adam, that was an ex exercise or an expression of his dominion and rule. Yeah. God said, okay, I've given you dominion, given you rule. Here they come. You name them. Yeah. That's, that's an incredible thing. And my mind just cannot get around all of that. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Wait, and that, I think that is one of the things that gives us an anchor for our soul, knowing that, yes, our world feels really broken, and God is still in perfect control, perfect dominion. He is the perfect sovereign over all of it. That's literally the only way, Romans eight twenty eight that mm -hmm. he's working all things together for good. That's the only way that can be true. Well, and the thing I, I love about your reference to Romans eight twenty eight, if if my memory serves me correct, the context there, for we know, and the word know there means we know experientially that God works all things together for good to them that love the Lord, which is a good reminder for the older generation to pass on to the younger generation their experiences, their testimonies of the faithfulness of God. Yeah, absolutely. Because that, that helps us to grow in faith. So, but, but in coming back, I was thinking to, of what you said earlier. I was thinking something that I've said for years. Faith is not based on our ability to believe God for anything. Faith is based on God's ability to deliver on what he has said. So if I move in faith, it's predicated and based upon the fact that God is faithful to his word, that he's watching over it to perform it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I look at our, our world today. I look at what's going on even in this week in our world. What an exciting time, because here are people who are fearful. Is war about to break out with Russia right. over the Ukraine? You know what? There's never been a greater opportunity for the kingdom of God. Are we experiencing suffering and hardship? Yes. Uh, most of us here in North America, the only suffering and hardship we experience is we're afraid somebody's going to make fun of us because we're a Christian. Right. But we got brothers and sisters whose lives are literally on the line for the faith. But as I look at society and people have been talking to me, what do you think about what's going on? There's such fear. And it's interesting that People are looking for something that's real, that's stable. We talked in the adult class about what it means to be created in the image of God. And I was just reminded of that verse from Ecclesiastes 3 that says God has placed eternity in the heart of every man. And isn't it interesting that whether people claim to believe in God or not, yeah. they're looking for something of the eternal, something that is stable, sustaining beyond this reality that we call reality yeah something something beyond the now yes. beyond uh the next news soundbite that we hear that even if this should come mm -hmm. i will not be shaken which seems to be the message of almost every psalm like it, you look at the the hymn book in the middle of the bible and it is this is hard this is diff i mean most of them uh, come out of some sort of ache 
or tragedy. Oh, I think of Psalm 3, where, where David is actually running from his son Absalom, who's trying to kill him, trying to take the kingdom. Uh, by the way, you're not after me, are you? No, I don't have any hair. I can't get caught in a tree. Well, there you go. <laughs> See, I passed on something good to you. Uh, but David says, many say of my soul, there is no hope for him in God. But he says, but thou, O Lord, art a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Yeah. And then I love what he says, I lay down and I slept and I awoke again for the Lord sustained me. Yeah. There was something that that he had an anchor beyond the chaos that was going on at the moment. Yeah. And it repeated language throughout Psalms. Yes. You're my rock, my redeemer, my stronghold, my fortress. Like he is the only safe place for us to run. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's, that is the point right now when we see news get a little bit scary that we don't freak out and run and hide somewhere other than hiding ourselves in God knowing there again that he is the sovereign of the universe he has dominion he raises up kings and he puts, puts them down, down kings. yep yeah and it, it's it's that old phrase well i don't know how old it is we've used it a lot so maybe it's gotten old god's sovereign he'll do what he wants to do when he wants to do it and in the way he wants to do it yeah and then we have the lord jesus who is putting things back in order yeah. The process isn't complete, but, uh, you know, we live in a, a broken world, a Genesis 3 world, and the good news is that Jesus is not only redeeming mankind, but he is bringing about a restoration of God's design. Yeah. Yep. Glorious. That's good. That's good. Uh, so talking about uh, restoring things on the earth, one of the things that we had... Um, talked about a little bit before we started was a comment I had made on Sunday about how when we try and care for God's creation, uh, some, some version of environmentalism, uh, it almost always turns to idolatry. Yeah. It, it, it either is a means by which uh, we are saving ourselves. They, you know, the whole world is terrible. And so the one thing that you can do good is eat vegan or recycle everything or, you know, insert whatever environmental mm -hmm. thing and caring for God's creation should be important to us because it's important to God. Well, and as you know, uh, I've been very involved over the last 20 years with things related to the environment, to recycling and all of these things and done a lot of things. In We've called you the trash guy. That's well, that's yeah, I, I remember I mean, behind your back, never to your face. Well, but yes, I, I remember embarrassing <laughs> you and your mother and brother when I would stop the car and uh, pick up an aluminum can that had been thrown along street. <laughs> I don't know if you remember those days. I yeah, do. I do. I uh, but the thing that I've said continually is that these things are not a question of environmentalism. It's a question of stewardship. Yeah. Uh, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. That's why we don't roll, drive down the, the, the road and throw our trash out the window. It's a question of stewardship. Yeah. So, but it's not environmentalism. Well, so here, uh, <laughs> theology has consequences. Yes. It, it actually matters. If you believe that this world, even though we know from Scripture <laughs> that the end of this world is that it will 
figuratively, be rolled up like a scroll and cast into the fire, and God's mm-hmm. going to create a mm-hmm. new heavens and a new earth, and that right now, so if you believe dominion theology, that right now, this isn't our father's world, as the old hymn says, this is Satan's world. And it's just damned for destruction. Uh, pitch your stuff out the car. Who cares? Like, it, it's the old thing, like, why polish the brass on a sinking ship? And the answer to that is because it's not Satan's world. This is this is God's my father's world. world. I'm glad that we sing that song that again with regularity. Revive? Well, and it's important for us to remember that. You know, our father is in total control. And the world may be in chaos, but God is still on plan A. There is no plan B. Yeah. And this Sunday, I'll get into some of this, that there are times when we are doing what God has told us to do. We're in the place God told us to be, and things seem to be going haywire. But the glorious thing is that nothing that comes into our life is ever a surprise to God. Yeah. Well, there, it's so perfect example, uh, not a single sparrow falls apart from our Father's care. You know, and you actually find that a few times uh, mentioned in the New Testament, that apart from his will, even the smallest, most insignificant, quote-unquote, worthless bird mm-hmm. doesn't fall out of the sky or run into the front of your car as you're driving down the, <laughs> down the road. Uh, apart from his care and his will. The, the, the verses, one says care and one says apart his from his will. will that mm-hmm. this is still, this moment is completely under... God's sovereign care and will, and he is good all the time. All the time, absolutely. Can, can we back up a little bit? We I, can't. I, We've already moved on. Oh. That's the end. No, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in the beauty of creation, there is, there is so much going on in our culture today about male and female and identifying. Uh, in fact, there's a bill before... Um, Indiana's General Assembly right now that would limit transgender athletes uh, from competing. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Well, there's your dad's helpful household hint for today. Good job. But the scripture is very clear that God created male and female. And I tried to speak to this, and I know you've spoken to this, that in creation, man and woman, there's so often in Scripture when it says here, and we read this, that man was to be fruitful and multiply. It's understood it's male and female. And that there is no disparity between male and female in terms of relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Both Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. At the foot of the cross, there is no sexism. It's not, it's, it's, that's not an issue. Yeah. And where we get in trouble is we confuse that with function. Yeah. And, and I think that's an important thing. Now, I've sometimes make, made a joke, you know, there's a reason that your mother would hear you as a baby crying in the middle of the night and I'd be sleeping away. Well, and then I made a joke, you know, when God made Eve, he took something out of Adam and Adam didn't have it anymore. <laughs> uh, but it's clearly a, a role of function. Yeah. And the other thing is, 
And we'll get into this a bit more where he says, it's not good for a man to be alone. This, I will make someone suitable. And the sense is someone who comes alongside to complete. Yeah. So it's not of, of dominance, male dominance, although in a fallen world that has happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need to speak to that because that's not right. It's, Which is so super interesting then. The answer to that, uh, at least according to the 60s, 70s, 80s, and growing into today, is feminism, which looks like it's, it's pushing for female equality, but it's actually pushing for female dominance. Like you listen to radical feminists, and uh, they tend to denigrate men in much the same way that sinful man denigrated woman. Mm-hmm. And it, so there again, because of sin and brokenness, we have trouble getting back and even seeing clearly God's original design, God's good plan for male and female. female. Yeah. And then because we want to, as Romans one says, reject our creator and worship the creation, then we end up believing that we can define male and female, which is, it's a bizarre thing that I think 200 years from now, they're going to laugh at us. Uh. Well, and, and you know, <laughs> you mentioned feminism, and the feminist movement right now is, is in a real quandary because the transsexual movement is challenging feminism. Yeah. Uh, but that's a rabbit trail that yeah. we probably don't yeah. want to go we, down. We'll probably limit this to a, a shorter <laughs> podcast than getting all that. But it's, it's a reflection of a fallen world, a broken world. Um, and it goes back to Genesis 3, where God says to Eve, your desire will be for your husband. And in the, in the sense in the, in the Hebrew there is to rule over and control. Yeah. Um, and it's not that man is better than the woman. I wish it was the other one. Like part of the curse is you're just going to want your husband. <laughs> just, I just want to be near him. <laughs> oh, yes. That's well, generally not the case. No. <laughs> no. I, so really interesting thing. And I, I want to hit this because I, I thought this was fascinating. Give credit where credit's due. Uh, Dr. Al Moeller, who's president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. Uh, in talking about Genesis, uh, talked about how when they look back, whether it's through archaeology or anthropology, uh, and look, where was man? Like where, mm-hmm. where at one time did man exist and now we don't see him there anymore. Uh, they have these three basic areas, three basic things that they look for. They look for, uh, number one, the use of uh, tools or, you know, some kind of pottery, like dishes, that type of thing. Uh, Cause you don't, you don't often see a monkey sitting out with a dish eating out, you know, some clay pot that they made uh, or the use of fire. So mm-hmm. uh, some, some implement that they've used, uh, you look for some raised area because because man tends to build things up, and it, you see I in the animal that kingdom. Was fascinating. It is because animals burrow into things, mm-hmm. and even even where you see a, a temporary building up, so a devers devers Be- a beaver devers dam. building a bam, <laughs> uh, beavers building a your dam. Mix all talked you up. like that? Uh, it's it's real temporary thing. You, yes. you don't see a, any permanent structures being being made in the animal kingdom. Uh, they don't have dominion. And then the most interesting one, looking for the evidence of fruit trees being planted in some kind of order. That 
That was fascinating to that me. That was like a light bulb moment for me. I'm like, oh my goodness. Maybe it's because growing up in northern Indiana with all the corn here, and as you're driving and you look down the rows of corn, and it's perfectly ordered rows of corn. Or you go into a, a, a fruit orchard, and it's perfectly ordered Ordered. Well, and the Trees roads have to there. be straight. I mean, if you live around here and you're a farmer or you were raised on a farm, you notice if the corn rows are crooked uh-huh. or if they're plowing and the, the furrow isn't straight. But it's man taking dominion yes, it is. over this world. Now, not, not intentionally, but it's the same type of dominion. And, and I think this is an important thing for families. When we teach our children to care about that which God has entrusted to us, which we've entrusted to them... Uh, cleaning up your room is honoring to the Lord as it takes dominion over your environment. I'm feeling guilty now because I was working in my office before I came to do this, and uh, I am... Cleaning up your office is honoring to the Lord. It is. There you go. But how do I throw things away that are precious (laughs) and could be valuable? Okay, so here's... Let's... Let's flesh that out a little bit, because here, here can be the tendency, and I think is the tendency with the church. We take one truism, mm-hmm. and then we say, and this is what it has to look like, that this version of dominion. So everybody has to have a perfectly clean room with, you know, that military uh, bed folding of the sheets, you know, and bounce, bounce a quarter off, off of it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, your, Ooh, your we lawn. We said that at the same know, time. That's scary. There's somewhere, someone <laughs> cried, but there's... Uh, there's a certain way you have to do your lawn. Uh, pull it into legalism. There's a certain way you have to dress if you're going to honor the Lord. There's a certain type of vehicle you have to drive if you're going to mm-hmm. honor the Lord. That goes on both spectrums. Sure. Let's be careful not to go there. And I think a helpful thing is something that you mentioned just before we started of white settlers coming to this area in northeast Indiana and meeting uh, some of the Native Americans who were here in Potawatomi tribe and what they thought about that. Talk about that for just a second. I thought this was interesting. Yeah, you know I'm a history lover, so reading some of the history here, uh, it was interesting that some of the Potawatomis actually helped some of the settlers of LaGrange County plant their corn. But they thought these white settlers were crazy because they planted their corn in rows, Mm -hmm. where the Potawatomis would maybe plant them in a circle. Yeah. Uh, they would also plant them, the Indians would uh, would plant with, and they would put fish in the ground, which became the fertilizer. Right. So who's to say what was right and what was wrong? The Potawatomis were doing what they thought was successful and worked and would plant, you know, like in a circular where the whites right. put them in, in long rows. It's fascinating. Yeah. And the thing I loved about that is it's both dominion. Yes, both are dominion. So uh, whether we're choosing to put it in this circle pattern, because we found that the most effective for our planting and harvesting, or we're choosing to mm-hmm. put them in rows, because we found that most effective for our planting and harvesting, that's different from how corn plants itself. Yeah. Now, see, what I thought was interesting in this as well that the Potawatomis gave grace to the white men. Now, I don't know what if they thought they were stupid or what, but they still gave grace, and they worked with them. Yeah. You know, what a testimony that we need to give grace to each other, and if it doesn't look exactly like what we think it looks like, 
who cares? Yeah. We need to find a way to, to join together. Now, obviously, when it comes to uh, significant matters of theology and doctrine, those things do limit sure. our level of cooperation and partnership together. But I was just challenged again, as we've talked about this, to think about, boy, the grace that they gave. Yeah. And both were doing things. Yeah, taking from, dominion taking on the dominion. earth, even mm-hmm. though it looked really different. Yeah, that that is a helpful thought that not everyone has to do it like I do. It, as long as they're being faithful, doing the best that they can, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to do it like I do. Now, like you said, if we get into that, we talk about the closed hand and the open hand theological doctrinal issues, that mm-hmm. those that have to do with Christ. Uh, his incarnation, being fully God, fully man. Yes. Uh, the atonement, that you know, repentance and confession of sin, like all the, all the things that we hold as absolutely inviolable when it comes mm-hmm. to the Scripture and what we believe about God. Those are closed-hand issues. That if you don't believe that, we will divide from you, and rightly so. And then there's a whole bunch of open-handed issues like, yes, God is sovereign. He's given us dominion. How should you plant your corn? I don't care. <laughs> you know, uh, what kind of songs should your church sing on a Sunday morning? I don't really care. How should you sing them? I really don't care. Should you use instruments or sing acapella? Yeah. And the answer is yes. Yeah. Do <laughs> Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Do whatever God yeah. has, has gifted and directed you in. But if you're going to argue about, so back to polytheism, or Jesus wasn't really God, or Jesus never really came to the earth. Uh, I, I was just listening to an audio book where the guy was talking about how um, his church and another church have grown uh, at about the same pace, only when he got to his church, the pastor of the other church didn't believe that Jesus uh, was fully God and fully man, didn't believe in the atonement, and in fact didn't really believe there was a God at all. That was the pastor of the church. That's scary. We should divide from that. Exactly. We should say that's not that's another gospel. Exactly. That's not Christianity. Mm-hmm. So we, we want to be careful about those things, but anyways. So did we answer, uh, were there questions that came in that we needed? I, the only question that came in... Uh, in fact, let me just read it. We, we've answered most of it already. Uh, it said, where did man lose dominion over the animals? The fall changed some, but not all things. For example, man was still a vegeta- vegetarian for a while after the fall. I don't mm-hmm. see where God took that dominion. And so Adam did not, so dominion did not need to be restored with Noah because it was never removed in the first place. Uh, don't we see a continued dominion over the animals throughout Scripture Maybe I'm defining dominion differently, which was a thoughtful tag on the end of that. Oh, and yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think that's part of the thing. And I, I think there's a there's a argument, and an argument's probably poor choice of words. There could a, there's a point that could be made that in the Genesis three account, when Adam and Eve fall into sin, God it says, creates for them clothing. And he did it out of skins. And an argument could be made that as a result of God sacrificing an animal or animals to make clothing of skin for man, that the fear of man came on the animal kingdom. 
Well, that's not going to happen until, is it Genesis 5? Genesis 6? Mm-hmm. Where they get off the ark? Where is that? That's chapter 9. Yeah, later on. Mm-hmm. And God says, I'm going to put the dread of you. Yes, that's true. That's yeah, true. Nine two, the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, upon every bird, the heavens, upon everything that creeps upon the ground. Yeah, and there'll be food for you. So it's not till they get off the ark yeah. that the animals become active food for them. But there, there is, and and I think that that sacrifice of clothing illustrates there is something of a change yes. in the relationship. There's a mm-hmm. brokenness mm-hmm. in even the communion that they had uh, with the rest of creation that is changed and then gloriously changed in Genesis 9 where we get to eat them because they're delicious. <laughs> you know, the glorious thing. And, and Matt, you and I talked about this. I love these questions. I love that thoughtful question because it means that people are thinking, they're processing things. And yep. when you said something to me about that on Sunday, my first thought was from the book of Acts of the Bereans, that they were more noble because they searched the scriptures yeah. to see that these things are so. I love the question. I love the questions that come in uh, where you are not just challenging, but challenging and asking questions in a really health, healthy way. Yeah, yeah. In a way I love that, it. that is semper reformanda, always reforming, yes. always looking at Scripture, not going, well, clearly everything that we believe is right, certainly not everything that we say is right, because we can missay it in the moment. Yes. And <clears throat> if we are always reforming closer and closer to Scripture, it will lead us towards greater faithfulness, as opposed to... Uh, sort of the the charismatic Pentecostal tradition that I grew up in. Now, I never saw this from you. In fact, the exact opposite, which is why our church is where it is. But you hear a lot in Pentecostalism, when you disagree with the pastor, they will spit out, touch not the Lord's anointed. Oh. And how dare you question me? And it, the reason is, everything that I'm saying is by divine revelation from God. It, I, yeah. I got it from the scripture, but the big thing is God told God me. God showed me. Yeah. If, if that's the case, and I'm ever wrong on anything, well, then everything I've ever said, you can just throw out the window. Because mm-hmm. if, I, if I could be wrong on one thing, I could be wrong on everything. As opposed to, I think we start really different, which is what I saw modeled in you when I was growing up, which is... I'm not saying that I have this whole thing figured out. I'm just going to be as faithful to God's word. And as time goes on, I'm going to continue to be more and more faithful. Things I believed long ago, I've actually jettisoned. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm not there anymore because I'm, I'm growing more faithful to God's word by his grace, not by my wisdom. Well, that's totally different. Thank you for saying that. That, that is a humbling thing. And I, I praise God for that because... My heart has always been to be faithful to the scriptures. And in the moment, you, you're you preaching as faithful as you know how to preach. Uh, as a writer, one thing that I have learned, and I'm so thankful for your mom, because I will prove things, but it never leaves our house until your mom has, <laughs> has proofed it again. Yep. Because as a writer, you realize that when you prove something, you proof it, and your brain just short-circuits things, and you don't see it because your brain reads it the way you thought you originally wrote it. You have your own bias of your own thought that you're bringing to it, 
And so the, the mistakes, uh, they're blind spots to you. Yeah. And same thing with theology that maybe stuff that we've heard and heard repeated as we grew up or even just believed for ourselves. Uh, if it's not found in scripture, when, when we're challenged with that, we need to trust in scripture and not in our own experience. It, uh, it reminds me of someone that I was with in, in Puerto Rico and we were, we were talking about some of these things, and he was with a great man of God, and they was, this guy was preaching, and he talked about, and we're going to get to this in, in the Genesis 2 creation uh, with one flesh, and I realized that what my friend was saying about this preacher preaching, that you become one spirit. Now, I think there's a dimension in which you do, Right, that's koinonia, the, that's, the Greek word for fellowship. Yes. But it's not one spirit, like we are joined by one spirit. That's yeah. the Holy Spirit. So, so my friend Mark, who pastors in, in Wisconsin, was listening to this guy. Afterwards, they were having dinner together, and, and this pastor says, so what did you think? Uh, was there anything I said you didn't agree with? And Mark said, well, with fear and trembling, I looked at him and I said, well, yes, you said that in marriage, the Bible teaches that we become one spirit. The Bible doesn't say that. And the guy says, did I say that? Yeah. And the guy looks at his wife and says, did I say that? She said, yeah, you've been saying that for years, and I don't know where you got that in Scripture. <laughs> so suddenly, I mean, here was this growing experience yeah. because my friend Mark approached it in a biblical, loving way. Yep. It wasn't confrontational. And besides, he asked. Or a little confrontational. Well, Con confrontation little isn't bad if it's speaking the truth in love and yeah. pointing to Scripture, not yeah. pointing to myself. So my point in this whole thing was here was this respected minister who had a growth moment. It was an aha, yeah. an aha moment. It was a blind spot. That's and, awesome. And it's, it's great. That's why I love these questions. I, Absolutely. I, and I, I love the fact that from week to week, uh, you will take the time to sit and listen to us and our crazy banter at some times. <laughs> uh, but I want you to know, I, I'm incredibly blessed that you care enough to ask sometimes tough questions um, because my heart is, by God's grace, I want to get it right. I want to be faithful to Scripture. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think it's the putting up with us to see through, listen through, to hear God's word. That's that's the goal. It, it's yeah. the passion for the word of the Lord. That well, in our beautiful. in our fallen world, one of the the sad things in the church is we've allowed it to become personality driven. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, God's man of faith and power. Listen, it's all God. And, and, you know, I was just telling Avery before we started, I was making a joke, but I, I really mean this sincerely. There's nothing special about me. The only thing is that there's a great big God who chose to love me and chose to live inside of me. Yeah. And it's this God who's inside of me, and I can't keep him in he just keeps coming out and loving on people and isn't right. that what the kingdom of god is yeah. all about yeah all right well so maybe a good place to wrap up that was one of the thoughts uh with communion that communion 
and I think you mentioned this the week before, doesn't celebrate who we are. It celebrates whose who, we are, yes. who we belong to, yes. who has chosen us while we were yet sinners, mm-hmm. while we were yet hostile towards him in our mind that every week we celebrate. And hopefully every week we see in scripture whose we are, who is it that we belong to. Man, that is, that is an anchor for our soul in an uncertain world. If, if I can just add one addendum to this as we wrap up, uh, my life story, never knowing who my birth father was. And I wasn't even aware of this, but when the man that I call my dad adopted me, the neighbor lady, and you remember Lena Bontrager, Lena Suderman. Okay. Uh, on more than one occasion, she she reminded me that when we got home from the courthouse and the adoption was official and, and I became a Gingrich rather than an Iker, she said, you ran across the street, you ran into our house, and you, ne- you yelled, I got a dad, I've got a dad, I've got a dad. That's awesome. I don't remember doing that, but you know, as we're talking, we celebrate communion. We have a father. Yeah, that's good. When dad married my mom, I was part of the package, but he didn't have to give me his name. Yeah. But he chose to give me his name. And that's what we celebrate in communion. Yeah. You know, Colossians, Paul says, paraphrasing, when we were at our absolute worst, Christ died for us. Chose to pour out his love. So we celebrate in communion. Not, he's not being crucified all over again every time we celebrate communion. No, we're celebrating whose we are and the fact that he's God, he's in control, and Jesus is coming again. Yeah. That's glorious truth. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, we'll leave her there, and uh, Lord willing, see all of you on Sunday. So until then, God bless you. Remember who's you are. Yes, thanks again for joining us. Bless you.